One of the most fascinating books that I've read in the last few years has been Robert Kernuk's book, The Last Shipwreck of Paul. This is what Acts chapter 27 is all about. And if you have your Bibles, whether physically or on your app, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 27. This series that we've been in is called Ghost Stories, How the Holy Spirit Changes Us in Our World. And this morning I want to talk to you about what it means to be shipwrecked. When the worst thing that you can imagine happens to you. So Cornuke is head of the Bible Archaeology Search and Exploration Institute. How do you come up with names like that? It's just like super long. They call it base. And Cornuke's job is to look at the Bible and then look at science and figure out how do the two come together. And so Cornuke, through a careful study as a scientist of Acts chapter 27 reading it very carefully. Also as a scientist studying the sea patterns over thousands of years in that part of the world, the Romans, the Greeks, all the cultures would carefully mark down the sea patterns over thousands of years. And so Cornuke, because of technology today, is able to study and put in all of the data from thousands of years to study the sea patterns. And here's what he discovered. He thinks he found where Acts 27 landed on the island of Malta, the shipwreck of Paul. Now, traditionally, the shipwreck of Paul was placed on the northern part of Malta, but Cornuke comes up with some pretty convincing, compelling data to say it really wasn't. It was really on the southern part of Malta. And he even takes it a little step further by discovering pieces of four anchors from a Roman boat somewhere between 60 and 100 A.D. that sank in the bay. And if you read Acts 27 carefully, you will discover that four anchors were dropped and he figured out where he thought those four anchors would be. Three of them are gone. One of them is exactly where it should have been. And then he went around and interviewed many, many people on the island of Malta, discovered that one was in a museum and a couple pieces of anchors were actually in people's homes. Why are we so fascinated with storms and shipwrecks? I mean, Titanic. The perfect storm. The sinking of the Andrea Gale. The sinking of the Lusitania. The lost fleet of Kublai Khan. I mean, all of these are movies. And we're fascinated by them. I think in part we're fascinated by storms and shipwrecks because of their total devastation. It's a complete loss. Have you ever had a shipwreck? You ever been in a storm that ended up where the worst that you could imagine happened to you? 
Some people have rocky marriages, but they pray and pray and pray, and sometimes their marriages get better, and sometimes they get worse, and sometimes they get better, and sometimes they get worse, and you're just hoping and praying for the best, but then you get papers, and you realize it's over. Shipwreck. You ever been in a job where you weren't sure if it was a fit and you tried the best that you could and it ended with a pink slip? Shipwreck. You ever had an illness that you were wrestling with for months and months and months? You're trying to doctor and taking this test and that test and then one day you come into the doctor's office and he says, it's cancer. Shipwreck. You and I will not go through this life without storms, and on occasion, we'll be shipwrecked. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is as Holy Spirit filled, Holy Spirit-led people. I'm not talking about casual Christians. I'm not talking about cultural Christians. I'm talking about people who really have a relationship with Jesus Christ and are really sincere in their faith, and they're trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. What happens when the worst that you can imagine happens to you, or even worse, to somebody you love? Because you'd just as well take it on yourself. But to watch someone else go through a shipwreck hurts worse than if you would have done it yourself. This is why Acts 27 is in the Bible. It's a shipwreck story. Of all the stories that Luke could have told about things that Paul endured, why did he have to pick this story? It's because Luke is sending us a message about how we are to respond what it looks like in the storm, and how God helps us. And so over these next few minutes, let's talk about what it means to be shipwrecked after enduring storm after storm after storm. There are three questions that Luke wants us to answer from this text. The first is, what causes storms? What causes personal storms that lead you and I to great pain and heartache? Acts chapter 27, verses 9 through 12. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And so Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. About it. He said, men, I believe that there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and to the owner than to Paul. Most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix, further up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Now to be sure that there are many reasons why people get into storms, some are just because it's life. You didn't see it coming, it wasn't your fault, but boom, you're in a storm and you need, you need to figure out your way to navigate your way through it. But in this passage of scripture, there are two causes of this particular storm and we ought to take them to a personal level. The first is not listening to sound advice. 
Paul spoke to the centurion in charge of the ship. Now here's what's interesting, a little bit about Roman culture. You've got the ship captain, you've got the ship owner on board, but they're not in charge. It's the centurion who's overseeing the prisoners who's actually calling the shots. I don't know why, but that's what's going on here. So Paul spoke to the centurion who was in charge of the ship, and frankly, if he would have taken the sound advice of Paul, none of this would have happened. Now let me ask you a question. How many times have you and I gotten ourselves into trouble just because we didn't listen to some sound advice? Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. I'm sure the Roman centurion thought, why should I be taking advice from the Apostle Paul? He's not a sailor. Sometimes we say things like, I'm not going to listen to my dad. I mean, he's my dad. I'm not going to listen to my mom-mom. I mean, she's old. What does she know? I'm sure the Roman centurion is thinking, I'm discounting what Paul has to say. He is my prisoner. Why should I listen to him? You know why you should have listened to Paul? Because Paul's advice had nothing to do with the weather. It had everything to do with discerning the hearts of men and their motives. You know who you should listen to? You should listen to people who have it in your best interest, who love you, who want to see you prosper. Um, why did the owner of the ship, the captain of the ship, and the sailors, why didn't they want to stay in this little harbor called Fair Havens that they safely got to in the middle of the storm? They could have stayed there. But instead, they wanted to go 50 miles north to another harbor called Phoenix. I get it. You're probably zoning out because of the whole geography thing. I get it. Just picture the island of Crete. It's right there in the whole Mediterranean. And so you kind of have to work your way around. They were on Crete and they ended up in Malta, but that's, not, that's further on the story. But in Crete, there was these harbors. One of them was called Fair Havens, but 50 miles north on the island of Crete, there was another harbor called Phoenix. And as soon as the owner of the ship, the captain, and the sailors, even though they made it to Fair Havens... They looked around and went, we don't like it here. We want to go to Phoenix. Why do they want to go to Phoenix? Because Phoenix is a party town. Did you know that? Fair Havens is kind of like Souderton. <laughs> Phoenix is Philadelphia. If you're a young sailor and you have to be stuck in a port for three months waiting for spring, do you want to stay in Satterton or do you want to hang out in Philadelphia where there's wine, women, and fun? Do, do you know why they got shipwrecked? Because they didn't want to stay in safety, they threw caution to the wind and wanted to land in Phoenix. That's the only reason they got shipwrecked. 
They put pleasure over prudence. Proverbs 8.12 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Prudence is defined in the Bible as spirit-led cautiousness. Have you ever had a check in your spirit when you were about to do something, there was a check that said, don't do that. Don't take that job. Don't move to that neighborhood. Don't go there on the computer. Don't watch that show. Don't listen to that kind of music. Don't get too close to those kinds of friends. Yeah, yeah, fine, have friends, but don't let them into your inner circle. And how many of us have really blown off that inner prudence, that inner voice of the Spirit that gives a godly, Spirit-led caution and said, nah, it'll be fine. And we just blow through the caution light and end up in a place we never dreamed possible. What causes storms? Sometimes it's just life. Other times it's because we're not paying attention and we're just blowing through all the caution signs and we're not listening to godly advice. Second question, what can you and I expect from God when you're in a storm? Well, I mean, certainly you can expect God's presence because Joshua 1.9 says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for I am the Lord your God and I will be with you wherever you go. I mean, we have a promise from God that no matter where we are in the world, he will be with us. So we can always rest in God's presence. Now, God's presence is so big, sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. But that's why we act by faith. We just say, I don't even know what I feel today because we're in your, when you're in a storm, you're all over the place. And sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling. That doesn't stop God from being present. We can also expect that God from time to time will bring godly people into your life just when you need it in order to guide you. But that's not what is going on in this passage of scripture. What's going on is something else. We can expect when we're in a storm that God will give us special words of encouragement and guidance. Look at verses 22 through 24 of Acts 27. But take courage, Paul says. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said to me, do not be afraid. There are 365 commands in the Bible, do not be afraid. One for every day. Uh, do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everybody sailing with you. If you are spirit-led, if you are really pressing into the Lord, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can expect that when you are in a very challenging time, God will give you special words of instruction. This is all over the Bible. It's a major theme. For, for example, when Moses is standing there with the children of Israel, he's got the um, Red Sea in front of him, and he's got Pharaoh and all of his army behind him. You know what the living Bible says? The Living Bible says, I love this phrase, I, I, I learned it like 30 years ago and it's always stuck with me. 
Moses cries out to God and says, what should I do? You know what God says? Stop praying, get moving. That was it. That was God's special word to Moses. Stop it. I've already told you to go, go. What about Joshua? Joshua stands on the edge of the promised land. Moses had led them for 40 years. Moses is now dead. Joshua has to pick up the mantle of leadership. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know why God said that to Joshua? Because he needed it. It was his special word to Joshua's heart because Joshua was quaking in his boots. You know why? Because Joshua had been here before, 40 years earlier. Failure. And now here he is entering into the promised land 2.0. Are they coming with me? What about Gideon? I love the story of Gideon because Gideon is for every insecure person who has walked on the face of the earth. If you struggle with insecurity, go and read Judges chapter 6 and 7. I mean, Gideon, he's pathetic. Right? He, he keeps referring to an angel is talking to him. An angel is saying that God has appointed you to be judge over Israel. And Gideon's like, well, I'm just the least of my tribe and my tribe is the least of the children of Israel. And, and you got to picture the angel. Oh, for crying out loud. Do you see me? I stand in the presence of God. What's your problem? You know what the angel says to Gideon? Go with the strength that you have and I will be with you. You don't have to be strong. You just go with the strength you have. Little, Jesus said this, little mustard seed. You just go with whatever you got. Other people may have more than you, so what? You just go with what you have. And the Holy Spirit promises to be with you. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah was extremely young when God called him to be a prophet. And if you read Jeremiah, the first couple of chapters are for crying out loud. Wine after wine after wine. The guy is a baby. He keeps going over and over how he's unqualified to be a prophet. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Do not say I'm too young. Do not be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. Now, now here's my point. I mean, we, we could go the whole morning. I could just go from, from book of the Bible to book of the Bible. To, and you'll see that God gives people special instructions just meant for them. In their storm. When you're in a storm, you can expect that God will speak to you in ways that you understand and give you the strength to make it through. The last question is this How does the Holy Spirit want us to act in a storm? Verse 25 says, So the Apostle Paul said, so take courage, for I believe in God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Your attitude is the most important thing about you. 
I was raised listening to a preacher, scholar named Chuck Swindoll. You ever heard that name? Chuck Swindoll is now in his upper 80s, and he's pastoring a megachurch in Texas. And he's going strong. This is what he said. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is far more important than facts. It is more important than the past. It is more important than your education. It is more important than your money. More important than your circumstances, your failures, your successes. Than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than your appearance, your giftedness, or your skill. Attitude will break or make a company or a church or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is to play the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. We choose our attitude. In this one verse, I see three life attitudes that God wants us to embrace. The first is be realistic. All of us will go through seasons of storms and we just need to be realistic about them. And it's okay to say, life stinks right now. When you're in a storm, it's okay to say, I hate this. I don't like this. This isn't where I want to be. This isn't where I thought I would be. That's okay. God gave you feelings. Listen, God gave you feelings to feel them. I'm not saying it was the preacher's fault. I'm certainly not saying it was my home life, but somewhere along the way, I picked up that if I was really a person of faith, I'd never think or say anything negative. Now, in order for me to believe that, I had to skip over all the Psalms. Right? Because David has a doctorate in whining sometimes. Here's what I want to say to you. When you're in a storm, it's okay to say, I'm in a storm. When you're going through a hard time, you know what the Bible says that Job did? Job sat in his ashes. And he scraped the pustules off of his body and let it drain. If you're in a shipwreck, you just might as well call it for what it is, a shipwreck. But don't stop there. Because the next question you have to ask yourself is, okay, if I've identified it and I really feel like I'm in this negative time and life is really terrible right now, okay, fine. What are you going to do about it? What's next? You know, there are some people that are stuck in being realistic and they're just stuck there. And they're stuck there for years. I don't think God wants you to be stuck. I think God wants you to mourn. I think God wants you to grieve. I think God wants you to call out what is really going on in your life. If you're going through a terrible time, call it a terrible time. Don't try to sugarcoat it. 
But then you're going to have to ask yourself, okay, now that I've called it out for what it is, what am I going to do about it? Second attitude, be positive. For take courage, I believe in God. Warren G. Lester once said these words, success in life comes not from holding a good hand, but playing a bad hand well. If you've got a bad hand, play it well. I love the writings of Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He's a Russian novelist, historian. He died in 2008 at the age of 90. He was world famous by that time. What made him famous is he was put as a political prisoner in a Russian gulag during the Stalin era because he wrote a private letter to another person that was read by the state criticizing Joseph Stalin and they threw him in a gulag for eight years. Listen to this. Solzhenitsyn went into the gulag an atheist but came out a follower of Jesus. Looking back on his time in the gulag, he said this, I bless you, prison. I bless you for being in my life. For there, lying on rotting prison straw, I learned the object of life is not prospering as I had grown up believing, but the maturing of my soul. Your storm, your shipwreck, unbelievably, may be the one thing in your life that God uses to turn your life around, to send you in a different direction. Listen, your abuse that you endured as a kid, embrace it. Take it on and say, God, what do you want to do with this? Your alcohol problem, your pornography addiction, Embrace it. Call it out for what it is, an addiction. And then say, God, can you use this? If I give it over to you, can you do something? And that one storm, that one shipwreck will change your life. That prison will become a blessing to you. Third life attitude, be an encouragement to others. Paul said, it will be as he said. As who said? God Verse 24, God in his goodness has granted safety to everybody sailing with you. That's a word of encouragement. You understand that Paul begins on the ship as just a prisoner. He ends as being the captain, the owner, and the centurion. He begins with nobody's listening to him. He ends with everybody sitting around him saying, what do you think we ought to do? And Paul gets a word from God, a special word in his storm, and says, it's going to be okay. Not a one of you is going to die. God's going to rescue us all. We're going to be shipwrecked. God's going to rescue us. Here's my thought. Don't waste your storm. Been through a divorce? Participate in divorce care and help others. Love the lost one? Take a grief share class. Lead a grief share class been through bankruptcy become a Dave Ramsey you know why Dave Ramsey's doing Financial Peace University because he pretty much lost it all and out of his own heartache financially he turned it around struggling with depression okay call it for what it is I'm struggling with depression 
and then get up and bring some people around you, let them love on you, but you give back. You find somebody else who's in depression too. And you say, come on, we'll, we'll get through this together. What I'm trying to say is don't waste your pain. That's maturity in life. Here's the way I'd like to close out our time together. If you are going through a storm, if you have been shipwrecked, if something inside your spirit resonates with Acts 27, and you just want to give that storm or that shipwreck over to the Lord, maybe you've never thought about being an encouragement to somebody else. Maybe you've never thought about, oh, I think I'm stuck in being realistic. Why don't you just stand up where you're at, stand out of the aisle, and I just want to pray a blessing over you. That's it. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. If you've been through a storm, if you're in a shipwreck, maybe your shipwreck was 10, 20 years ago, and you're just stuck, today's your day to get unstuck. God can use you. So I'm going to pause for just a moment. I'm going to close in prayer. Just get up and move to the aisle, and I want to pray over you. God's bigger than your shipwreck. God's bigger than your storm. And he wants to transform it. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus Christ, you see my brothers and sisters standing here. They've taken their step of faith. Fill them with realism. Fill them with a positive attitude. Fill them, God, with a sense of wanting to be encouragement with, to other people. God, take their storm and use it for your glory. Heal whatever's broken inside of them because of their shipwreck and use it for good and your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.